So <clears throat> that's another one of uh, my great heroes and mentors, Dr. Reggie Gold. How many people have heard of him before? See him? All right, well, that's good. Um, glad that's, that's more than usual. Um, he uh, also passed away several years ago. Uh, there is a plethora of stuff uh, uh, you can get uh, to listen to him if you're interested. Um, uh, a number of different podcasts had him featured. He has, um, uh, if you go on Reggie Gold's uh, his website, um, there's a he's got two uh, CD sets that I absolutely recommend to listen to. Um, one's called uh, the Philosophy, and one's called the Practice. I think that's what it's called. And uh, I have listened to them incessantly over the years. Um, so I really appreciate uh, you know what what he's done. And uh, by the way, his wife is Irene Gold. If you happen to wonder uh, the connection there. Um, so, so that what, what a powerhouse couple you know, they were in chiropractic. Um, and one of my favorite stories um, that I love talking, talking about Reggie is um, the story called Valley of the Blind. Has anybody heard that one before? Valley of the Blind? No? Good, good. So let me teach you the Valley of the Blind according to Reggie. So H.G. Wells, the author who wrote War of the Worlds, wrote a short story called Valley of the Blind. Now, and of course, H.G. Wells' version had nothing to do with chiropractic. Um, but this is going to have everything to do with chiropractic. Um, so I want you to imagine uh, that there was this uh, group of mountain climbers, and they were climbing in some very, very distant mountains in some very far away place. And um, this one particular guy, he was like the leader of the expedition, so he was way ahead of everybody else. And all of a sudden, he lost his footing, and he fell. And he fell tremendous, tremendous amounts away from his group. And the group tried to save him. But he, they looked down there, and they couldn't contact him because the radios weren't working. And, and they, they left him for, they said, wow, he must have like, not made it and stuff. And his group left him, and he was, but he woke up. He came to like a few days later, and then because he was an expert mountain climber, he was able to like forage, and you know, he was able to fix his own wounds and whatever. And after a while, he was able to kind of get himself back to health. But he could not climb back up the mountain. This way, so I said, I'll go the other way. So he went the other way, he went for days and days and days without seeing anybody, it was a very desolate uh, area. And then finally, he saw in the distance a village. He said, yes, finally, I can meet I, people, I, I can finally meet some people again. Maybe they can help me get back to civilization. And he went up to this village, and uh, as he was getting closer, he realized that this was not an ordinary village. And um, the entire village, nobody had any eyes. And it wasn't that they had like eyes, but they didn't see, it's like they had nothing here. It was just like this area of their face was totally blank. So he, but he walks up to the village and he, and he says, holy cow, like, I'm so glad I found you. I've been lost for like a year and, and you know, I fell off this mountain and everything, and, you know, and he's saying, and it's so great to see you and, you know, you live in such a beautiful area and nobody knew what on earth he was talking about because he was saying all these things about the area that these people have never seen before, Right? And he's talking about there's the mountains, and there's the trees, and there's the sun. And everybody in the village is saying, like, you are bonkers. There's no sun. You know, there's no stars in the sky. There's just like a ceiling. You know, there, there are no mountains. There's none of this kind of stuff. So they were a little afraid of this guy. And they wanted to, like, kick him out of the, of the area. That, that said, like, go back to where he came from. But he didn't want to be alone. So he said... Um, all right, all right, I'll just shut up. I'll stop talking about this kind of stuff. You know, I won't make, any, make a scene. Um, so he just kind of hung out with them. He didn't say anything. Um, but, you know, as time will have it, uh, he and this one young lady started their relationship. And then uh, he 
they decided that they wanted to get married. Um, and uh, so he went to the father and he said, you know, sir, I, I, I love your daughter, your daughter loves me, we want to get married. Uh, you know, do you have, uh, I, I do not have your blessing. And he said, well, as long as you get rid of those things in your face, that, that you can get married. So, so and we have a surgeon that, you know, operates on people. And I'm sure, even though he's never done it before, I'm sure he can figure it out and pull those things out of your head and close up those things, and then you won't have to worry about this disease that you have anymore. And uh, at the moment, he, he agreed. Uh, he said, okay, fine. Um, he said, we'll do it tonight. Uh, but then he said um, to himself, I'm going to take a, a walk because uh, I want to like, look at stuff for the last time. So he went out you know, around the village and it's gorgeous mountains and beautiful sun and you know, trees and whatever. So, hey. Um, so he's looking at the, the scenery and as he's walking, he's walking more and he's thinking to himself like how much he's going to miss seeing all this kind of stuff. And he keeps on walking and walking and then nightfall comes and he keeps on walking and now he sees the stars and the moon and he keeps on walking and finally he says, you know what, I can't do this. I can't lose my eyesight. I have to keep my vision. You know, the vision, my vision is the most important piece of me, and I can't let go of my vision. And he walks away from the Valley of the Blind, never to, to go back, and is, you know, but he keeps his vision. Right? And that's H.G. Wells' story. <coughs> and, um, and actually, if you want to hear Reggie's version of this, uh, is he actually has it on Spinal Column Radio. He actually tells this particular version. So if you want to listen to this, it was a, a, a talk he gave. Um, uh, in the 1970s at Palmer College at a graduation. <clears throat> it's, it's, on a, it's a podcast. So anyway, um, so uh, Reggie says, he pauses and he says, you know, let's think about this with chiropractic. And this was when, when he first said this in the 70s, and later when I heard him say this in the 80s and 90s, we were having the same basic issues that we're having today. There were chiropractors back then who wanted to introduce drugs into the profession, and there were chiropractors then who want us to stop doing webtures. And there were chiropractors saying that we should, you know, become metapractic. It was the same stuff. It's just a different time period. So he said, um, in that story, the valley of the blind are the chiropractors who want to lead us down a different path. The valley of the blind, like, you know, they're like, no, 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 you know, we want to give drugs. You know, we want to, we want to, to be the primary care Physicians, we want to, to change chiropractic to what we want. You should take your eyes out and not talk about this kind of stuff because the, the stuff you talk about this is like heresy and, and it's bad and it's mixing people up and you shouldn't talk about it. You should be like us and you should be like everybody else, right? We should all kind of fit in, right? We want acceptance, right? We want everybody to be the same and to be accepted in the valley of the blind. And how are you accepted in the valley of the blind? You give up your vision. Are you willing to give up your vision, Reggie said? Are you willing to give up your vision to be tolerated in the valley of the blind? I, for one, am not willing to give up my vision. Right. I have worked too hard. I have worked too long. I have seen too many miracles in chiropractic to ever want to give up the vision that I have. Let the blind keep their lack of eyesight. You know, one of the things he said, which is a, a B.J. Palmer quote, he said, some people have the eyesight of a hawk, but the vision of a clam. Because they see nothing, right? They see this far in front of their face. <coughs> and that's what I see what happening in Wisconsin. And that's what I see <coughs> happening in New Mexico. 
is they all they want is inclusion. If we could just be like everybody else, we could just be like the other doctors, we could just do what everybody else does, then we'd be accepted in the valley of the blind. But meanwhile, a patient comes to me yesterday who has had lupus, was on 12 different medications, finally got himself off all the medications because six of the medications were for lupus and six were for the side effects from the medications that were on for lupus. And he's like, I can't even live this way. He was like having this intolerable life. He finally got himself off of all the medications. He's going gluten-free and dairy-free. And the main reason why he's getting adjusted, he said, is because I want to have a healthier life. And I've got to start exercising. I've got to eat right. And I need chiropractic. And I'm coming up with all the things I need to do, he says. I'm come up all the things I need to do so I can be as healthy as I can be. And drugs aren't one of them. Now, what am I to say? Am I to say, well, but you probably shouldn't have those drugs. Maybe you should take some painkillers because you're in a lot of pain today. And I can prescribe these drugs because I'm a real doctor now, right? I have, I have this new license. It's a secondary license. I'm a primary spine care specialist. And because you have a lot of back pain because of your lupus, I can prescribe drugs. What's he going to say to me? He said, no, 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 you don't get it. I don't want that, right? Like, I'm coming to you because I want something different. I don't want the same as I've already gotten. What got, what got me here isn't going to get me there. I want something different. But we're jumping and salivating so we can have do these drugs. I'm like, what are you, I just can't, I can't understand what is going on. Like, to me, the most important thing that Reggie said, I, I sat on his feet at a number of different lectures. He was one of my favorite speakers. And he said, you are far better off without a subluxation than you are with one. That is the number one overarching theme of getting adjusted. You are far better off without a subluxation than you are with one. And I love the letter N that he shows here. Matter of fact, a student about three or four years ago, because I've been showing the same video now for years because it's one of my favorites, um, a student watched this video and she said this is her new patient orientation and she's been rocking her new patient orientation with this exact thing. Because it makes sense. It doesn't make sense to everybody, that's totally cool. But it makes sense. It's a very simple explanation of how chiropractic works using the letter N. Matter of fact, when he first gave this lecture, my wife and I were in this audience in Strasbourg, and I bought a flip chart after this lecture of the letter N, and I don't even know where it is. I think when we moved from New Jersey to here, it got lost in the shuffle. I had his flip chart and Sigurd Bruce's flip chart. I can't find either one of my I did this for a presentation in Advanced Wellness. A did you really? Ago. Yeah. From I, this? Did, I didn't hear about it from Reggie Gold. Steve Judson has a shorter clip of it. Okay. And he talks about, you know, like BJ Palmer talks about clearing the insane asylums. He's like, this is how we're going to do it. And right. he goes through and he explains it. Right. It just makes so much sense. Yeah, this is, to me, I, I love what Victoria just said. One of BJ Palmer's favorite quotes that I heard him say a number of times, and I read a number of times was that if everybody got adjusted, we would clear the asylums and clear the hospitals and fill the churches and synagogues. And why not? Why not? Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if, we, if everybody got adjusted? Like, what do you think would really happen if everybody got adjusted? I think we'd have a very different planet. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. And I was saying this to the, um, the ICPA family wellness club last week. Here's the deal. If we were tasked right now as a chiropractic profession to adjust everybody on the planet, could we? No. The answer is no. We could not. 
We are not, could we, even if we were tasked right now to adjust everybody in the country, could we? No. If there are 60,000 chiropractors in the country, each one of you would have to adjust 5,000 a week to keep up. And I don't know about you, that would be awfully tough. 5,000 a week would be really, really tough. It would not be possible. People would not be able to get adjusted on a weekly basis. If, if something all of a sudden changed, and we went from seeing 7 to 10% of the population to 100% population overnight for whatever reason, we would not be able to do it. And you know what? That is sad, isn't it? That is really sad. But here's the deal. What happened in 1918 when the swine flu came, or they called it Spanish flu back then, what happened when that came around? Who are the healthiest people during that time? People the people getting adjusted. Where? By the Palmer Clinic. At the Palmer Clinic. The Palmer Clinic in Davenport, Iowa, saw thousands and thousands and thousands of people who either had the flu or were worried about getting the flu, and their percentage death rate was like 1% when everybody else in this country, when there was people dying all over the place. But you know what's interesting? is that even though that study, uh, they did this work, they really didn't publish it in as good a way as the osteopaths did. A lot of the osteopathic colleges also had clinics, and they did the research, and they found, and you can Google this if you want to, in the Journal of the American Osteopathic Association, they did the research and they found a 1 40th death percent, uh, percentage rate compared to the national rate in 1918 under osteopathic care. And the osteopaths, even as far as 2012, did a study when the swine flu came out about how osteopathy, osteopathic manipulation, was helping people get better from the flu or avoid the flu altogether. And we are talking about back pain. We should be doing stuff like this. Right? This is our heritage. This is what we should be talking about. Why aren't we doing research like this? Why aren't we doing research to prove the letter N? Why aren't we doing research to show how great we are against the flu or against whatever? What are we so worried about? You know, I just, I, I happened to get this email from Aetna uh, the other day uh, about this clinical bulletin. And if you want to be saddened about something, look at Aetna cl clinical bulletin on chiropractic. <clears throat> it says, Activator is, is experimental investigation. Uh, investigational. Network is experimental investigational. Fast is experimental investigational. Webster's is experimental investigation. You know, I would take a, it would take away about 95% of my practice. If I, if I was an Aetna-contracted chiropractor, I couldn't practice my way. Or I'd have to lie and say I wasn't doing this stuff. But because I'm out of network on every single insurances, I'm not in network on anything, I do whatever I want. So when a patient says, well, why aren't you in network? I want to use my insurance. If I, used, if, I took your, if I was in network with your insurance, I couldn't adjust you. Not the way I want to. I could rack and crack you if you wanted me to do some gross manipulation, but I couldn't adjust you the way I wanted to. I couldn't use Webster. I couldn't use sustained contact. I couldn't use endothelial headpiece. I couldn't use anything except for full spine. Not that full spine is bad, but in my practice, it's not much of what I use. So this is what we are up against. See, and I'm, I'm being very truthful with this class because I want you to know what we're up against, but what we are capable of, right? 
That's why I'm showing you these grace, because I'm showing you what we're capable of. The giants that have come before us are the people we should be following, not the morons who are trying to lead us now in states like Wisconsin. Because I can, I can see nothing, I can see no benefit by us having becoming primary spine care special. I can see no benefit. Unless at some point in time, 20 years from now, they break the profession in two, and you have them and us, I'd be totally happy with that. But, up until, but right now, I don't see that happening. So I don't know where it's going. But all I'm telling you is that we have a responsibility for the kids. We have a responsibility for the people. And the people are demanding what we have, but we have to give it to them. Because if we don't give it to them, who is going to? I'm telling you, mark my words, 20 years from now, if we don't wake up as a chiropractic profession, another profession will stand up and start giving what they want. And they will talk about chiropractic as that profession that used to be around for about 100 years, and it kind of crumbled because they're sort of really kind of like the osteopaths are now. Right? I don't want to stand around and see that. I don't want to stand around when I'm 70 years old 20 years from now and when I'm 70 years old 20 years from now and it just doesn't sound right. right? My son's 21 today. And so it's like, this is not possible. This is what I was saying last night. This is not possible. We can't have a 21-year-old. We're, we're just not in that age bracket. But anyway, so I want to be, when, 70, when I'm 70, 20 years from now, I don't want to look back and say, boy, I wish we could have. What I want to say is, wow, there are some people in that class in 2016 that took this stuff by the horns and turned it around. That's what I want to say. I want to say you guys were in my class, and I'm going to point to people and say you guys were in my class, and you guys made a huge difference. If you want to. If you want to. Or you can just follow the valley of the blind, and just I'll just be accepted, and I'll just let them kind of do the rabble over here, and just say, okay, 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 and watch the profession just go, choo 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 the way the osteopathic profession did. The reason the osteopaths are nothing right now is because they, all they wanted was to be accepted. Please let me be accepted. Please let me be accepted. And they become just like everybody else. And now osteopathy and medical doctors, for the most part, they're about the same thing. You have a few osteopaths that are doing some adjusting, but for the most part, they're pretty much a medical doctor with a different degree. That's where this is headed. Right? It's the Medical College of Wisconsin that is working with their chiropractors to say, yeah, take colleges at the Medical College of Wisconsin. They are turning them in, right? They're going to suck them in. Oh my God, I get to go to a medical school. Right? The valley of the blind. Right? Don't let them poke your eyes out. That's the moral of the story. Don't let them poke your eyes out. That's right. Take a walk.